Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Men are the prize, the podcast. It's me, your host, Harvey. I hope you're doing well. I hope the week is treating you well. You're succeeding. You're working. Everything is working well for you. But more importantly, even if it's not, I hope you're handling it well. I talk a lot on this podcast about men and what we need to do to take care of ourselves. What do you do to self-soothe? So I figured the best way to kind of talk about it is to show you what I do. I love podcasting. I love just getting online and talking about useless stuff, Uh, music, movies, whatever, podcasting. It is what I get the most enjoyment out of. I spend a lot of time with some kids in the house. So when I can close the door, put some headphones on and just talk about unimportant information, it just works for me. It's my solace. So I figured there's no better way to have an episode than to have it with four of my favorite people so we can talk about masculinity, but still within my fun place. Quickly, within your everybody, fun place. <laughs> in my fun place. This is my fun place, <laughs> and that's a PG fun place. With that though? said, everybody just say your name. We will talk about why or how I know you at the end. So who was that first voice I heard? Was that me? Amanda? Hi, I'm Amanda. Show me on the dollar. (laughs) Kendra, who are you? What's your name? My name is Kendra. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Some other guy speak. The light light skin between the two. Who's that? Hi, my name is Casey. And I am very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be here today. And last but not least... I just want to say that first thing first, my name is DeAndre Robinson. Second thing, if I stayed in the moonlight, I probably could be light, lighter than Casey, but we want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just to say yeah, my moonlight. No, I don't think so. <laughs> give, me, give me that Morris Day. Not everybody gets that, but I do, and I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. Cheers. I get Morris Day. Oh, I can't. Morris in the motherfucking time. In the motherfucking time. I like it. We're going to talk about masculinity. We're going to talk about it from a black male's perspective. That's DeAndre. White male's perspective. That's Casey. And from the ladies, Kendra and and Amanda. I almost did the Amanda, but I put This is supposed to be a serious space, but sometimes I just slip into that. Again, no pun intended. So... (laughs) I'm just going to start with the ladies. I'm going to start with you, Kendra. What do you think about when you hear the word masculinity? Um, I think about a male. <laughs> I think about a male that takes care of himself and the people around him. But on the other hand, in the last few years, we have toxic masculinity. 
masculinity. So, you know, you kind of think of a little bit of a negative tone, undertone there too as well. So I don't know, I think it's getting a bad, it's definitely turned into a negative thing recently. Three. Amanda, same question for you. So I agree, but also kind of disagree with the toxic masculinity thing because that's been around for centuries. We've just now given it a name. And so, and, and you know, it, it sucks for men who are not in the toxic atmosphere that they have to deal with that stigma. But as women, we've dealt with stigmas forever. So, you know, when I think of masculinity, yeah, obviously I'm going to think of a man. And, you know, if I want to think about positive masculinity, it's going to be like what Kendra said, a man who is, you know, a grown-up, responsible, takes care of himself, takes care of his family, can recognize his own feelings and, you know, be an equal contributor in any relationship, whether it's romantic or not, so. Casey. Yes, sir. When you hear the word masculinity, what is the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind for me is um, I grew up mostly in a single parent family and with a mother that raised us to try and be as well-rounded and adaptable as we can. So um, to me, masculinity encompasses the whole aspect of being everything that you can be and being as well-rounded of a person as a whole as you can be. Okay, I like that. Good start. And to DeAndre, when you hear masculinity, I'm going to exchange the question just for you. What does black masculinity mean to you? Mm. I was ready for the first question, not gonna lie. Second question, <laughs> I was ready for. <laughs> However, before I get to black masculinity, I want to talk about masculinity first, uh, if, you give, if, you, if you don't mind. Um, and people hate when I ask, I get asked questions a lot actually. And when I answer this question, it's shocking because my answer to that question is, it shouldn't be masculinity or feminine. Like that, that those terms shouldn't exist. We, we grew up, we grew up, and that's not us, but the world grew up saying the man is this, the man is the hunter, the man knocks one over the head with, with, a, with a club and all that kind of good shit. And that's like the toxic masculinity and masculinity came as, as a whole, where I don't mind if me personally, I and it's just me, I'm not talking about anybody else, but I don't mind. I grew up with the case of a single parent, single parent household. My mom was there, my dad was well, fuck him. Uh, but uh, but I grew up more, more with a shown more feminist, but I grew up in the hood as well, grew up in the hood of Philly. So toxic masculinity was there. And I'm not gonna say I displayed some of that stuff as well. However, though, it took me to go to my boarding school and college and out to Oregon to, to see that sometimes that women can be masculine, men can be a little more feminine and still be okay in this world. So when it comes to masculinity, I don't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't exist and it does. Black masculinity, to me, because again, I grew up with a single household. Everything I learned 
how, on how to be a quote unquote man. I learned from the streets and I learned from three father figures in TV. And people laugh when I say this, but it's true. Uncle Phil, Carl Winslow, and uh, um, Al Bundy. Those three were, were, were my dad. So everything I learned about being a man, I learned from them three. So black masculinity is gonna be different for me because, because that's where I learned my, my masculinity from. But that's, that, those are the father figures that I got, I, I, that, I, that taught me how to be a man. All right, I like everybody's answer. That was just a starting point. I will just say for me, masculinity should be, I think, I don't know if fluid is the right word. It, I don't know if you can have a general answer of that because I think every man, no matter white, black, whatever, your version of masculinity should be your version. It should be how you are. It doesn't have to be you know, with societal norms or whether you can take care of a family or whether you can work or whether you can hit somebody over the head. Being masculine is just being yourself. At least that's what I think it is. And of course, everybody has the right to their opinion. So that's where I stand. My next question, and I'm gonna just start with Casey on this one. When we talk about masculinity, do you think that a man's sexuality should be part of the masculinity question? Honestly, I don't just because like you were saying, masculinity kind of sort of should be what it is for you as a per your masculinity, your definition of masculinity may be different than what my definition is or what Dre's definition is, or even what Kendra and Amanda's definition is. And these people are people just the same as you, I, whoever. And they have just as much of a right to be deemed masculine per se as everybody else. I mean, just because they prefer to like somebody of the same gender as they are, doesn't make them any less of a person or a man or less of a woman because they like who they like. It, it is what it is. So no, in my opinion, it, honestly, Sexuality doesn't factor into defining masculinity, in my opinion. What about you, Kendra? How do you feel about sexuality in regards to the masculinity question? I don't think it matters because then you have like trans men and some of them like they do go hardcore and they're like super like into manly things. But then you have like trans men like the drag queen um, Got Mick, who, you know, was born females, now male, but still does drag and dresses very feminine passing. So I don't think it does matter. Like you said, it's all fluid. So it's kind of like... What do you think, DeAndre? Oh, oh I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. Oh, who, who me or, oh, yeah. sorry. No, I, I, I 100% don't think it should be because of your gender. Um, because one, we, as we found out in over the past 20 years that there are so many genders that um, it's hard to say which gender is masculine. Even, even if you go just the basic, quote unquote basic, and then I mean, I mean that and I don't want to um, downgrade any other gender as well, but since I'm talking about male, men, women, men and women, 
some, like I said before, some women can be masculine. Some men can be feminine and still be a man. Because God is truth. Uh, well, I need to do this, but uh, I grew up where I'm from that men shouldn't, you know, take care of their feet or take care of their nails or stuff like that as a quote unquote feminine trait. I have ugly ass feet and I need, <laughs> and I need to take care of them things. <laughs> I need to take care of them. Listen, you could ask Emily. Emily hates when I rub, rub my feet together because it's like Velcro. So I need to take care of them. So I need to take care of my feet. I need to take care of my hands. I need, I need to do like that. I mean, I'm still doing like quote unquote worldly feminine things, but I'm still a man in my eyes. I'm, I'm still a part of this part of this world as a man. I, so no, I do not think that masculine or or feminine should be labeled as a gender with, with a gender. Okay. All right. Amanda, what do you think so, in regards to sexuality in regards to the masculinity question? I am fully of the same sentiment as what Dre said earlier that I think masculinity and feminine femininity I can't ever say it are <laughs> should not really <laughs> exist I mean if if you're going to be biological yes a person is born with a penis therefore they're defined as a male a person's born with a vagina therefore they're defined as a female beyond that everything is a social construct and let's be real the Christian Bible is basically <laughs> the main thing that told us as mostly a society what it means to be a man what it means to be a woman and then that took off who cares? I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, trans, whatever. You don't have to do certain things to be labeled as a man, in my opinion, or to be a woman. Like my 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 uh, stance is dinner rolls, not gender rolls. <laughs> I like I like food, so yes. <laughs> I love food. <laughs> it's the whole gender thing is a social construct and I think in recent years we've been breaking that down and kind of deconstructing it and I think that's a good thing because you know like George is standing here I'll joke with him about well you're the man you should do this well I don't really believe that I mean I can take out the trash you know he'll he'll do things for me because they because it's important to me not because I'm the man like it's just be a good person and who be who you want to be. Do you expect George to take care of you in case something bad happens? Is he your protector? We're each other's protector. I mean, yes, I do. If, if something bad happens, I expect him to be there for me emotionally, physically, in whatever way. But it, it goes both ways. And that's because we're married, not just because he's a man. DeAndre, you got your hands up, so I'm expecting a deep, powerful response. So I'm, I'm going to talk about the, the the taking care of your spouse thing. You just ask, ask Amanda. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's there is it should be yes, um, but in different ways. Now, uh, I said this on my podcast a couple of years ago. I said it on my Facebook that I go through uh, seasonal depression. I do. Christmas time is the hardest time for me. Hands down, the hardest, by Amanda, hands down, hands, hands down the hardest time for me. 
So, but Emily knows this, and we talked about this yesterday, or the day before yesterday, that she is my rock around this time. Emily's my rock. I, I have to feed off of her because if she breaks down, I break down too. And what I mean by that is though, I'm not telling her that she needs to fight somebody for me. I don't tell her she needs anybody to take me to the hospital or anything like that. I'm telling her that she needs to be herself so I can be more there for the family. She's my rock so I can be the rock for the family. So, so she is, she is protecting me from myself so I can protect my family from everything else. If that, if that, if that makes sense. So that answer, so that answer should be for me personally is yes, she's definitely going to take care of me if I need, if I need it, but only the things I really need to take care, take care of. All right. I'm going to tighten the question up a bit. Casey. Yes. Are you, if you are with your, let's just say you are with a woman and a fight breaks out and I appreciate, and I asked it probably should have narrowed down a bit. If a fight breaks out and physically you would need to protect that woman, do you consider that as a masculine trait? Are you being a man when you handle that situation or are you just being a person? To me, I've been not necessarily involved in a guilty, innocent perspective in heated situations before and it's a long story and i won't get into that all of that but i've been a bystander to instances like that before and the way i look at it is as a person and as a human being i will stand up for and protect anybody that needs to be protected in a given situation like that I don't look at it as being, it's my job as a man to step in and do that. If I was female and in that same situation, I would look at it the same way. It's about doing what's right and what's wrong, doing what's right and staying away from what's wrong and not allowing somebody to get hurt, whether mentally, physically, whatever the case may be. Okay. All right. So I find this question interesting because as much as I would like this world to just be, you know, men and women and masculine versus feminine, that stuff shouldn't be around, but we live in a reality where these things are around yeah. and they all, and they always will be. So I'm, I, and I don't have a problem with it. I raised as a man, I protect my wife. Somebody steps to my wife. That's my foot in your ass. And we'll discuss it later. Yeah. We, I, I, I take it as to take care of my family, to take care of my community, my neighborhood, stuff like that. I take that. And it doesn't lessen women. It doesn't lessen their role, just like it doesn't strengthen my role. It's just what I am as a man. When you're Black and a man, though, there's more to it. There's a level of homophobia that goes along with being a Black male, because we're supposed to be men. And when you're not being what we perceive men to be, those attributes are always teased as feminine. 
you're you held know, to a different standard for sure. Oh, mm-hmm. by far, you know, and, and it's every far. little, oh, by far. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and not just with uh, other, other me, other races as well. Again, like I said, if we don't take care of our family in, in, in a quote unquote manly way, especially when you live in a rural area or a hood area, mm-hmm. your own people will, will tell you that, I mean, for lack of better words, that's gay or whatever. So, I mean, so we got to, along with other things too, we got to worry about our own people than other people. And it's, it's hard as hell, hard as hell for us. It yes, it is. Being a man is difficult because in a lot of ways, in the last, like Kendra mentioned, in the last 20, 30 years, the definition of being a man is completely different than what it was 40, 50 years ago. 40, 50 years ago, I'm a man, I work, I take care of my family, my wife is at home taking care of the kids. Um, I don't take care of my mental health. I just go and I work and I come home and I bring home the bacon, that type of thing. Now, as being a man, I am toxic. 30 years ago, I was a gruff man taking care of my family. Now, the attributes that are negative now were celebrated before. It's more nuanced than that, as you would say. You think? I think. I do do think so. Explain. Well, because I agree with the, again, the way social constructs work, you know, the man works, the wife stays home and takes care of the kids. But that was the only option for most women back then. So it wasn't, and I'm not saying it was necessarily a bad thing, except that if you really look into that, you know, people talk about how our grandparents were married for like 80 years. That's because, and I'm not saying it's just because of this, but I don't think marriage has changed that much. It's the rights that women have that have changed versus in the 50s or 60s, we couldn't own land. We couldn't have our own bank accounts. A lot of times women couldn't have jobs. So yeah, they had to rely on the husband. And even if the husband was a complete piece of garbage, I can't leave him. I don't have my own money. I have to raise these kids. And so I agree with what you're saying that like some of the standards have changed, but I think you have to understand for women, it's changed in the fact that we didn't have options. So the husbands could do whatever they wanted. Some were good, some weren't good. And we just had to deal with it. And I, I mean, we as in women, not me, obviously, but you know what I mean? As a man, could I have stayed home and not worked and sent you out to the workforce? No. So then I did. So I didn't have choices either. But men set up that hierarchy. So, right, understood. So that's that's to say that when toxic masculinity is talked about, there's this idea that the only people who truly suffer are women. No, I think that men, too. No, I mean, I think think what we're going, because we're advanced, because we're moving up, we recognize the effect that toxic, toxic masculinity has on men also, because this is what we have to be. We have no well, the ch- thing this- is, can you can you grow? Can you change? Because it, from the men in this chat or in this in this podcast, I think you're all great men, and you recognize yourselves as men, and you recognize women for what they are. But I think toxic masculinity is the men that still exist, and I live in Texas, so it's full of these people mm-hmm. that are still the wife is to be seen and not heard. Women shouldn't be able to vote. 
men should vote for their husbands. Just like the toxic masculinity part is for people who can't grow and still are in that mindset of women don't hold the same value as men. And it's unfair to put that on everyone. It's just kind of like the, we have to think that every man is dangerous until they prove to us otherwise. That sucks. That's not fair to put on anyone, but as women, that's what we've had to deal with. So yeah, it sucks. But I, I would say that people who can grow and change and, you know, love women for what they are and also appreciate themselves as men and do what they want to do, not what society tells them to do. That makes you different. Kendra, can women, I guess, by, I don't know, let's rephrase here. Men who are now being more emotional with themselves, Mm -hmm. who are emotionally available or whatever, intelligent, stuff like that. Is that something that is attractive now? Yes. Especially like, I mean, you don't want like, I think because I watched my, I didn't watch him, but I've heard stories of my grandpa, my, my maternal grandpa. He was like a wife beater to my grandma. He was a horrible human. He'd like, my mom who is Spanish and white came out just a little darker than her siblings. And he called her a tar baby. So when I came (gasps) out, you can imagine how great he was to have a black grandchild. So I'm glad that men have evolved and are more open to changing now because if we had men like my grandpa, oh no no well we do in texas we do in virginia where i am there's still men like that so i do like the more emotional man because they can admit their faults which we all need do women have to change or is it just the men who have to make the change i think there are women out there who still think like our grandmas did like amanda was saying like they want to stay at home which i think i think i mean if i had my choice i would be i like the housewife thing but um i don't like working but I think that <laughs> But that's a choice you make together. Yeah, See, not like, yeah the, that's the yeah. choice part. Like they're not forcing us to stay home, forcing us to have children that we may or may not want. So yeah, I think that too. Casey. Yes, sir. If you could pick one trait that is attributed to femininity that we could move over to the masculine side, which one would you take? And it would be a masculine trait from then on. Mm, so huh? we couldn't have it anymore? Yeah. Let's just say we take it from okay. you. Let's say something that is Damn predominantly patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something that is seen as a feminine trait. And now we get to take it and it comes over and women don't have it anymore. What trait would you bring over to being to, to the man's side? Okay, I can't necessarily speak for, I mean, I've been to like Dre's neck of the woods in Oregon. I've been obviously on vacation and visited Amanda and George down in Texas. And I've been in those environments and I've seen things and how people are in those environments. And um, I will honestly just speak for where I live in Washington and Um, one of the big things that I know women, I don't necessarily want to say complain about, but, um, I think women are more classified as being the communicator and men 
often aren't necessarily as open to reciprocating that for them. And I think if, even if we don't necessarily take it all away from them and give it all to us, but finding a way to at least meld their communication skills together with better communication skills from the male perspective, I think it would help make the relationship style between the two genders a little bit more, you know, cohesive. Okay. DeAndre, why do you think it's hard for men to communicate with significant others? Because we wasn't trained to. Exactly right. That's 100% true. We, wasn't, we weren't, tra wasn't trained to. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't our fault. I mean, we talk about old school things, but and I know a lot of people hate saying, oh, this is so far, so far ago, but that shit back, back there, that shit molded us, molded us to who we are now. 60s, 50s, 40s, slavery. That shit molded us right now. We are not, we are, we weren't trained to communicate, even within slavery times. I'm going to a black, blacks right now, even during slavery time, the men that were quote unquote married to Black men, that was, black slaves that was married to black, uh, black women at the time, still had the mentality of NASA, and we don't talk to you, you do what I say. And black women at the time had it so fucking hard because you either, you have to, the, 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 the art key was black women, black men, white, period, all right? So we, we didn't have to, we didn't have to communicate. You do what I say or else. That, that, that's what, that, that was the role until- And that was survival. Yeah, and survival was, and yeah, again, and, and people hate, again, people hate to talk about slavery, but slavery molded so much shit. Like, like beatings, you know, we still beat kids to the day. Like food we eat, we have to season the worst part of the pig, like chitlins and pig feet, and we, we had to do that. Slavery back in those times, old school times, molded a lot of shit we still do in the day. So the reason why we have we can't communicate is because we weren't taught or trained to do it that way. Even in the Bible, which people love communicating in the Bible, there are people that, that, that we didn't communicate. Motherfuckers had 17 wives. <laughs> they had 17 wives and, and didn't communicate anybody. So we weren't, we weren't taught to. We, this, is, this is the new thing we're doing starting this basically in the 70s that, 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 we, that we were trying to do. And, and we're, we're growing, we're growing that, we're growing, growing and growing to have just these, these conversations with men and women or people. And it, it's getting better. But the reason why we can't communicate right now because we weren't trained, taught to. I'm gonna be devil's advocate here for a second. Who is raising these men who can't communicate? Kendra? So my brother, I don't know. I grew up with just my mom and she raised my older brother at 15 by herself. And then I came, what, 12 years later. So, but we're pretty good communicators. So I don't want to say it's like, you know, it's a lack of the male figure or anything. So I don't know. Maybe it's just, I'm also a latchkey kid. So we didn't have a lot of people around. We were just 
I mean, I grew up with like Big Bird and then it was TGIF and then it was MTV. And then it was like, my mom showed up at graduation and was like, bye, you know, so like she wasn't really around much, but I don't know. I think it's just generational. Maybe grandparents could be to blame too. Cause like they're older, like Dre was saying, and we're trained. I mean, my husband, his grandparents, or like, what did they work in the coal mines and stuff? So his grandpa would come home, not speak to the grandma or anything. And I think it just passed down. So just be, but my thing is latchkey, being a latchkey kid, like bad <laughs> communicator. If you're not a TV screen, I don't want nothing to do with you. <laughs> there is a, I, a narrative. I'll get in that, Amanda, this is direct. Cause I, I know what you're getting at. So I have thoughts. So there's a narrative that we have a bunch of men running around who don't know how to communicate. While there's also a, a bunch of boys growing up in single mom households. So how come they can't communicate? Moms are busy. My mom worked what, seven days a week, had a gambling problem as well. She wasn't really around. So that was our thing. So single parents can't do it? I just think they no. have time. Yeah, they're, they're not e equipped. And but if they weren't raised by communicators because they're like yes. in those older generations. They're not going to learn anything. But thankfully, I think our generation is picking up the pieces there. I do want to say. And that's oh, what I was going to say. Sorry, Jerry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go I'm, ahead, sorry. Amanda. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Amanda. No, I, because I, Harvey, I know exactly what you're getting at. It's, it's the women who are raising these men who can't communicate. But I think what we're going to see with the next generation is that it's going to be different because like, if we want to talk about my husband, he's 42. He was raised in a very strict Christian household where the women did everything and the men do nothing. So when we go home for holidays, when he's here and we do stuff, we host he's going to help me he's going to clean he's going to help do whatever when we go back to his family's house he completely reverts to that boy that he was raised as that didn't have to do shit while the women did everything and the boys sat and watched football but him being married to me and us communicating if we had a son our son's going to be in the kitchen our son's going to be learning how to do all the things we're going to teach him how to speak his feelings and not so I think it is a generational thing. I think I would argue that single moms have probably raised more community, more effective communicators than two parent households have in the last, let's just say 30 years. But I think now that we are, as in our age, are raising sons or children, that it's going to be different. We just haven't seen the effects of that yet. So let, let me pay Angel's advocate right now as well. That's the opposite of the devil's advocate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me Angel's advocate as well. So and it's some numbers, and, I, and I'm not gonna lie, I, just, I looked this up, I don't have the top of my head, plus I'm drinking too, so so let so, me make sure now, all right? 26% of, uh, of single households in, in the United States right now. And I know people that don't think that's the last one, a quarter of, of America that has single parents. However, though, going back to devil's advocate, out of that 26%, 65% are black. So 
that's actually a really good question to think about because you were asking who's raising these kids and they are in 25% of the world is a single parent. So realistically on that, on that, on that alone, you'd be like, oh, then you can't really blame single parents. But however, though, when you add on to the nationality of it is black people, 65%, then it, it opens the bigger book. But still to this day, I'm, I agree with Amanda that I feel like parents these days are a lot more open for communication with their kids. Uh, don't do this. How do you feel? Uh, talk to me, blah, 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 all that kind of good stuff. Um, and next generation, at least in two generations, we will have a lot more communications. There's gonna be a lot different because no offense, it's gonna sound fucked up, but all the racist old head, old people, uh, They'll be gone. Not all of them. Madison Cawthorn's yeah. still out there. Jesus. I, I said one or two generations. <laughs> but, but, but one or two We generations. still got Marjorie Taylor Green out there. <laughs> oh, Hopefully not for long. Yeah, but a, a lot of people will, will be gone. I mean, I mean, there yeah. will still be a section of people, people that still think like they're in the 20s and, and 10s and the 30s. I but those people that. will be outweighed. But by... those people will be outweighed. Yeah. There, there will be a lot more communication. There will be a lot more half a kid as i call my daughter because uh, <laughs> uh, um so so the, the world should be different should be on a trajectory different in a generation or two or three but as of right now i do understand what you're saying but for me i i'm not a fan of the term toxic masculinity i don't entirely really agree with it i recognize what you're talking about when you say toxic masculinity, but the same way we can say that whoever's raising these men, you know, it's moms, they're busy. There's a reason why they raise these men and that they're not the best communicators. I also think being masculine, being toxic is a weird term because it's, it was, and we, you kind of commented on this before Amanda, but what's toxic now was good in Vietnam. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to take care of my family. I am just going to go no soul, no whatever. I'm going to handle business. I'm going to go to war. I'm okay, going to- Okay, but segregation was okay back then. Segregation was good then, and it's not good now. So things can be well, good and then change. True, true. And but we're not we're still segregated now that didn't, that didn't go anywhere segregation is still here if not worse look at schools look at neighborhoods look at buying a house segregation hasn't gone away it is bad without question but these things haven't changed i just my wonder is actually you know what let's just pick it casey i'll start with you what do you think women can do on their own to help masculinity evolve? Uh, that's a tough question. Um, but we want to know. We would like to be able to properly communicate uh, effective answers so that we can be better partners. But we want you to do that already. So what's stopping you? 
Well, there's a lot of men who communicate and don't get the response that they get. What they get is ridiculed for it. Communicating with our women, with our significant other and telling them how they feel, what kind of day they had, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And two months later, it comes back in an argument. Obviously, like we've all been saying, these things do not reflect society. But there's a lot of men, and I talk to a lot of men, who do not feel comfortable saying, babe, I had a really tough day, or just coming home from work and crying on their woman's shoulder because life sucks, because I wanted this promotion and I didn't get it. And some guy, they found somebody outside of the company, they brought him in, and I thought I had this job. See, I don't get I that don't get because it. I wouldn't be like that. So, well, of course, that's yeah, and that's you. Well, and, no, and, I'm and, just and, saying I don't get that. <laughs> right. Oh, I agree with you. I Sorry, don't get Dre. it either. Right, Dre, jump in. I hate this question. I love you, by the way, but I hate that question with a passion because okay. I don't know if I want masculine to evolve. Like I said before, I think that is is a, is a term masculine femininity should be <laughs> should be should be gone to to help us communicate with with our partners, whether it's women or if you want a, a man on man or whatever you communicate with as that has to be gone. I hear you. My my thing with this is as much as I'd like for us Here's to be thing, if I come if, as a person, as a person. Yeah. So if, if, I, if I go to Emily and I need to cry, I don't want to think that I'm being feminine. I don't think I'm being a masculine. I just want to think that I need to cry. Exactly. You're just I, being I just a human. To, I just need to fucking cry. So again, I understand what you're saying, but for me personally, I right now I'm, I'm going to say that I don't identify as masculine or feminine. Uh, listen, I will cry with Emily. I will cry for Emily. I will beat your ass if I need to. I will, I, I know how to cook. I actually cook better than Emily. She was telling you that. I could throw a football. I was second team conference, my, my, my conference uh, in, uh, in high school football. I don't identify as masculine or feminine because right now, because I need to be both. You need to be kind of, kind of need to be both to, to, to survive this day and age. So and that's what our kids need. So for me personally, that's my answer to that question. Sorry, sorry, Casey, to take the toe over that, but oh, no, no, you yeah. perfectly almost summed up exactly what I wanted to say because, and I'm not going to go into great detail into this aspect of a story, but um, rather recently, my co-host on an evening at the movies and I kind of had a moment together where she learned something about me that happened a while back after we had started the show and it's one of those things where she and I communicate daily like all day long she will attribute to I mean you could see our I yeah we talk all day every day yeah I will gladly post all of our freaking dms from the last two years it's you'd be reading for five years to read it all. <laughs> but I had something that happened to me and something that happened after the initial event. And um, she was incredibly shocked by the fact that she just now, a year later, found out about it. 
And, and not that I have a right to be, but I was hurt that I didn't know because I felt like I had been a good enough friend that he would have confided in me. And I think that's where men are still struggling with how to communicate with people, their feelings and their needs, because I would have thought for sure, Casey will tell me anything. And, and generally you know, for the most part, I will, but yeah. We okay, are right I'm just, just going to say this because I know this is a safe, non-judging environment, mm-hmm. but something happened to me last summer and ultimately a month or so after that happened, I attempted suicide. So, and that was something I And know. I was there the whole time talking to you. That's how I don't understand how I didn't know. And that's... Exactly one of those but, huge and, gaps in communication absolutely nothing against amanda as a friend as no a, i i take it that way as you know we we call each other plobsters because we're platonic lobsters and i didn't withholding that from her i did not want to hurt her but at the same time no one it's not about I wasn't me, sure exactly how to communicate that and as well there was a thought in the back of my head about not being strong enough to deal with what i was going through at that time so well because dre's right you guys weren't raised to most men your age were not raised to be emotional so or to deal with your or even have emotions and that's part of the thing stick it down don't don't be a girl (laughs) Is because my single mother that raised me encouraged us to be emotional and share our emotions. And you're not less of a man for crying in front of anybody, whether it's a guy friend or whether it's your girlfriend or your wife or whatever. But at the same time, I don't necessarily think in somewhere in my brain, I wasn't always comfortable with being that vulnerable which was probably part of the reason why i withheld that information from my best friend and honestly after telling her and realizing that it upset her that i held it from her i was upset with myself for doing that because that wasn't my intention by withholding that information from her that's not your that's not your uh burden to carry though my feelings are my own feelings on that no but at the same time i'm conscious enough with my actions that i don't want to hurt people i don't want to hurt you i don't want to you know any one of the other four of us in this group you know i respect and care for everybody in this network and i've said it before and i'll say it again even in the early stages of us gelling together as a group I consider all four of you family. So, you know, the last thing I want to do is ever hurt any of you guys. I don't want to hurt anybody to begin with, period. But, you know, it. I think that's why the evolutionary movement of communication is incredibly important in my head. And I want, as a person, I want to get to a better level of being a a effective communicator 
So Casey, first of all, thanks for talking about that and you know, and being vulnerable enough with us to let that to, to the rest of us for saying that. I talk to a lot of men who kind of deal with that. And in fact, I do. And I talked about anybody who's listened to this podcast knows that on this wrist is a scar from my attempt at suicide. It's we men, because we don't communicate, we are under this impression that we were alone in this battle with life. We struggle with this like anybody else. And because we don't talk, we keep it to ourselves. Mm. We are struggling trying to figure out what it is to be a man. Am I allowed to talk to somebody and tell them how I'm feeling? Will I be considered less than if I do? And sadly, there are studies that have been done where women are interviewed and they will readily admit that they lose respect for a man once they've seen him cry. What? There is, and it might be a subconscious thing. I don't imagine women are like, oh my God, he's a little bitch because he cried. But I don't know if it's evolutionary, but men have a hard time being emotional because of what the response will be. Me being emotional. Go ahead, please. Do you think it's like uh, men having this sense of pride and the embarrassment of the emotion? I don't I think like it's that's men. Why you wouldn't talk about your feelings. It's like, well, I'm going to be embarrassed by what they're going to say. It's my pride. Yes. Like, Definitely. Because the way we're raised, I talk a lot of men and the word safe is a word that I find very, there's a real definition, difference in definition when it comes to women versus men. And you ladies are here. You can tell me if I'm wrong. When I think for the most part, when women talk about safety, there's a literal definition of safety. I can't walk out of the house. I have to be, and you say this, and as respectful as you are, and you know us, you still have to be leery of men in general because you don't know what men are going to do, even though 99% of men are probably not going to do anything to you. But, the, but there's a group, group of men who are so bad that you have to assume everybody else is. So safety is literal. Will I make it to that parking lot without having to hold my key out so I can stab some guy if he attacks me? Men, when we talk about safety, is Casey. I tried to commit suicide. Do I trust anybody enough to say, you know what? I committed suicide and not hear it a month later from somebody else because I can't trust you to keep that to yourself or to ridicule me because I did it. Being a man, there's levels to it that can't be explained to women and there's multitude of levels of being a woman that you can ex not explain to a man. And I think what we've got here is that man being a man has been just cut down to toxic masculinity versus masculinity when there are so many levels to it. There's so much to being a guy because not all women are the same. So being a man is different for what Kendra thinks versus what Amanda thinks versus what Carice thinks versus what Emily thinks, versus what Casey's mom thinks, or anyone. Being a man is not this definition. We feel like we're kind of jumping from side to side. I could be a man to Emily, but am I being a man to my mom? There's different definitions of what being a man is. And that's kind of the lane that we're in now. Am I a man if I open that door for that woman, or am I being misogynist by opening the door for her? Am I being a man by 
putting up those counters or, you know, or, or helping her with a computer or whatever, or my assuming that she can't do it because I try. There's a lot to it. And I think that's what a lot of men are navigating, trying to figure out what being a man is. I'm going to kind of calm it down because it got all serious up in here. Can I say gonna, something? Yeah, please. So I want to say for, I, I, can, I guess I can only speak for myself, but among a, a bunch of women I've talked to, I think toxic masculinity has been thrown around as like, oh, now we all have to be ashamed because we're being men. Toxic masculinity is using male defining characteristics to hold down women. And so I think that everybody's she was about to break it down too. Let it go, let it go. Oh my goodness. Hey Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> Does toxic femininity exist? Oh what? Yeah. Oh, back. sorry, we oh, lost sure. you there for a while. So oh, I shit. I am so sorry. It's oh, all good. Gosh. I'm going to come back to you in a second because I asked Kendra a question. Don't worry, we'll come back to you. Kendra, what do you think? I think toxic femininity, I can't say it as well, <laughs> feminine, <laughs> um, exists as well. I think, like Amanda was saying, men are going to use these masculine traits, you know, to hold women down. I think women can do the flip side and be a little too much. I mean, there's different instances for that, but I think it exists too. But I had another thing uh, Dre was saying about like in a few generations, we're gonna be better communicators, but like we've all watched the news and all the men that are doing all these crazy shootings are young men and they are from those generations. So I don't think the communication is going to get there as fast as we you know, like to think with our rose colored glasses. I don't I don't disagree. That was more of a hope actually than anything. Uh, I mean I mean we don't actually don't know until you know it comes. But th that was really more of a hope to say that in two, three, four generations that you know we will be more communicate communicating more, race will be less talked about or less hurtful to some people. Um, the, that, that's my hope. That, that mean, I don't, well, we actually know that until we get there. I think Christian oh, nationalism is the main problem there. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. How sad is it that masculinity and femininity is now somewhat of a political thing? Right. Like, and yeah, and it's, well, yeah, and but it always has been. We just didn't talk about it. Right. Well, there's a lot of things that have been out there that we didn't discuss. Yeah. And then in the last few years, political, if there's, we're trying to find ways to politicize just about anything. Yeah. And it, it, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, we're going to calm it down here for a bit. I'm going to go around the board with a nice relaxing conversation question. Casey, I want you to think about your love of movies and we all love movies here. If you could think about, give me the most, the most emotional male character you can think of in movies, who would it be? Ooh. 
And I think if you take a second, it's pretty obvious who your pick would be because I know you. Who do you think is the most emotional masculine figure in film? Uh, I'm so like, masculine or feminine? Emotional. The, mo- the most emotional masculine character in film. I might go... I can go in two different directions with this, and I'm not necessarily sure if it's the ones you're thinking of. But Say whatever you think. I'm going to go with um, probably one of my top three favorite movies of all time is and forever will be The Crow. And um, people may scoff at that look down their nose at me for it but um the whole premise of that entire movie is um brandon lee's character eric draven being in love with the love of his life and they're both murdered by a gang and he comes back from the dead to right the wrongs of their deaths and um to me that character is a very physically strong aggressive you know for lack of a better term you for doing what you did to me you're gonna fucking pay for this but yet at the same time he still incredibly emotionally vulnerable with he's having to deal with the fact that he came back from the dead a year after his death his loved ones that he left behind have had time to grieve and move on from his passing and he interacts with some of these people throughout the movie and it causes little emotional moments throughout the entire telling of the story so that would probably be my answer to the question. For me, because I know your love of film and in a movie in particular, I find the dichotomy of John Coffey, a huge, large man. That was the second who, one I was going with. Right, who is incredibly emotional, who we know will die in the film but is as emotional as there is. You can, you might call him feminine, but he's bigger than you will ever be in your life. He's as masculine appearing, but as feminine emotional as most would see. I no, think, go ahead. Even with the whole idea that Amanda's going to hate for me for going this to this point, but the portrayal of that character by Michael Clark Duncan and the actual character of John Coffey. And then the fact that I've seen that movie probably at least a hundred times. And every damn time he sits in that damn chair and looks at Tom <laughs> Hanks in the eye and tells him, please, boss, don't put me in the dark. Ugly fucking. <laughs> no, I'm not going to stop. It's because it's proving mine and Harvey's point. <laughs> You know, it, so yeah, I mean, it, 
yeah, even after a hundred times seeing it, it, it can still rip your heart out of your chest and throw it on the floor and do a hat dance all over it. I hear you. I'm going to ask everybody this question, but I, what I've always found interesting is, are you, a, are you crying because he's there in that chair crying because he knows his fate because he knows what's about to happen? Or is it because it's a man sitting there? who knows his fate and knows what's about to happen. You don't have to answer that. Kendra, you're, what male emotional character do you think of? Who's the most emotional male character in film that you can think of? Well, that was my answer because that is one of the only movies where I will never, I've only seen it once. And that is the one reason why is because I had those booger cries and I don't cry often. So when I had the boogers coming out, I was like, why did we watch this? This is hor not like a horrible movie, but a horrible right. thing to make me watch. And I think it's because it's just the character, you know, he was innocent. And also like, I don't like seeing, like, I don't like seeing men cry, but I don't like seeing black men cry. I think it has something to do with my dad. And like, my dad is in his eighties. So my dad lived through all that back in the day mm -hmm. and then i have my little brother who has had run in with the police so yeah it's just an emotional one so that was my answer gray emotional male film character the most unpopular opinion almost every movie i saw has some one of the emotional male characters now, let me explain this because i know it's like a coward way to answer that question but let me explain mm -hmm. this Emotion is defined by how someone feels at that point in time. So I could have said John Coffey, John Coffey, but I could also go Michael Max. Everything, everything Denzel did in Michael Max was, was emotional to, to, to his cause, um, but it was in the mass, quote unquote masculine way. So when you say emotional, that could, that could literally mean almost every, I, I can go as simple as coming to America. Good morning, my neighbors. He was happy as fuck right there. And that's the emotion. So, <laughs> so, so I, I really don't know. I, so I really don't know how to answer that question, but, but, to, but to say that because there's different emotions and how people spew out that emotion is different as well. I can go that way. I can go. I'm a star. I can go. I can go roots. I can go, like I, I can go a lot of places with different emotions to that. So that's that's just how, how I have to answer that question. AC, can I just tell Dre thank you for continuing to pour salt in that freaking nice big fat open wound? <laughs> Amanda, what is your response? Um. I'm going to go with Gomez Adams because I think that he is the over-exaggerated epitome of what women want. He adores his wife. He worships her. He tells her how amazing she is. He's, he's vulnerable and sweet and makes romantic gestures and is still quote unquote, a man. Um, or whatever that means but i think you know he's just for me he is the one of the epitomes of positive masculinity if you want to 
label it that. Um, you know, he's open and honest and vulnerable and expresses his emotions. And, you know, that's honestly what we want for the most part. I mean, obviously he's exaggerated. I get it, but you know what I'm saying? Excellent. I asked that question and I kept it vague on purpose. I didn't say, you know, you know, overtly emotional or crying or whatever. A lot of times when we talk about emotional, we go to the dark side of it, sorrow, pain, and such. The most emotional character I've ever seen, for me, is the character Richard Pryor plays in The Toy, because he it's a hilarious movie but he recognizes so many things that he's basically a father to a white kid. He has a black woman who doesn't entirely respect him because of what he's doing. He's not really sure about his stance in this world. He tipped, he just flip-flops through the whole movie about his place in this world while he's doing it being hilarious and teaching. Emotion, yeah. A, yeah, a lot of cases emotional, emotion is seen as how we handle bad things as opposed to how we handle good things. You're right, Prince Akeem is the is as happy as they get when he gets his woman, when he just steps out in his house. He is happy as can be. And with that, I wanna end it on a positive note that emotion doesn't just have to be negative, it can be positive. To all the men who watch and listen to this, you can be emotional. It doesn't make you any less a man, any more man. It makes you, you. This group of people who is on here with me are my favorite people to podcast with because we all have differing opinions, different ideas, different experiences. Some of us know what it takes to be, what it's like to be a man. Some of us don't. Some of us know what it's like to be a woman. But we're all friends no matter what. And we are part of a phenomenal, amazing group. And we just put out podcasts and we talk junk all the time. <laughs> and as we ease out, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to tell us about yourself, your podcast. And then if you need to step out, you break out. And we will start with DeAndre. So first things first, thank you for having us on. He wouldn't tell us what, what the shit was about until we got here. <laughs> All right, so he basically blindsided, blindsided us, but it's, it's fine. All right, my name is DeAndre Robinson. I am one of the hosts of Masturbators uh, and everything Masturbators uh, with the drafts, brackets, and maybe still think about doing Welcome to the Cookout. Um, I want to thank Harvey and everyone for being vulnerable, talk about this, something we need to talk about, something, something that I know some people need to hear. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for having us on. Thank you for speaking and being vulnerable. I appreciate it. Kendra, how can people find you and what should they know about you? You should know that I am the host of the Crushgasm podcast. Also, thank you for having me. If you like to talk about crushes and just like slumber party talk, that's what Crushgasm is about. And it is a Crushgasm podcast com and if you like the 90s the new year's for you because we're crushing on the 90s it's gonna be so fun i'm so excited me 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 <laughs> i'm so excited it sounds like fun amanda talk to us. i 
Oh, thank you. I am the host of the Sip List podcast, which is a top five podcast, and we discuss all kinds of things, movies, music, books, um, anything you can think of. And Harvey, thanks for having me. And this was a great discussion. I'm super excited about it and hope that I lended some information and I learned some stuff too. So thank you. Casey. Yes, sir. As everybody else has said, thank you. Thank you for having us on. I appreciate it. I've been chomping at the bit wanting to get on Men of the Prize for a while. And I'm glad that I got to be here and even share more than I was planning on sharing with you guys tonight. But I feel better about myself for sharing all of that. And I appreciate you guys listening. Um, with that said, um, I am the host of An Evening at the Movies. Co-host is Amanda. We are always, each and every week, deep diving into all the great movies. And even coming up next year, we're going to even deep dive into some of the movies that were not as critically received. And we're going to explain why we love those movies just as much as the movies that are incredibly critically acclaimed so stay tuned for that as well um you can find us on all forms of social media just look for an evening at the movies um we are the podcast is available wherever you get your podcast listening meet needs met and as well um as always i did not make these <laughs> rankings podcastnetwork.com just not all spelled out first letter <laughs> i'm not counting that all, stuff all out again so, we should so. do like a chant at the start like the with the letters before we do the uh, drafts we, like i did like i don't know letters off the top of my head but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i like the idea that should be our theme song should be the letters i like, like that chant it and then we go draft <laughs> <laughs> thank you casey kendra amanda dre for coming on to men of the prize the podcast um i wanted to have a discussion just to talk because above all things the reason this podcast exists is so that we talk the subject matter is important but the fact that we're talking is usually and in 99 percent of the time the most important thing so it is always important for us to communicate to speak to hear different views so that we grow and we get better and there was no better group of people to do it with than the people i am a part of a group with. We do podcasts, we do it for fun, we love it. And my podcast, as a part of this group, the Love is Black podcast, which I do with my wife, that completes this group of podcasts. And we talk about fun stuff, but we keep it kind of serious with my wife because, you know, life can be interesting, especially when you're married. I'd like to end this by saying thank you to everyone and to the men who listen and watch. Never forget ever forget that you are the man and you are the prize. Have a good one.
Thank you for listening to the Men Are the Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at Men of Zealous Nature or on Twitter at Men Zealous. Have a great week and never forget, you are a man and you are the prize.